fans of heavy music may know the name Chris Connolly from his work in Revolting Cox and Ministry, but fans of David Bowie may know Chris Connolly as he embodies the Thin White Duke every time he steps behind the mic for Sons of the Silent Age. This January, the band plays a tribute, as they do, on his birthday every year uh, to support cancer research, and Chris Connolly is joining me in the studio right now. Chris Connolly, welcome to Vocalo. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to to talk about uh, your relationship with David Bowie. I think everybody has a Bowie story of how uh, he came into their lives. What is yours? Well, when I was quite young, I'm 54 now, so around about the time I was seven or eight, he was very much, he was kind of omnipresent in uh, at least the British uh, pop world. And so you couldn't really avoid David Bowie. But um, I remember seeing him on the television show Top of the Pops. Yeah. And uh, I do remember seeing Starman, which many people do. It wasn't until maybe three or four years later that uh, when Station to Station came out that I bought that record. Mm -hmm. I was about 10 and it hit me really hard. I've never stopped listening to it. You know, that was 1976. So what was it about Station to Station that really spoke to a young Chris Connolly? I think that I'll say it's, it has the same effect on me today. That music is alien to me. Mm. It, it, it's, it, I don't know who created it and how it got created. It's this strange mixture, frosty mixture of funk and rock that sh- maybe shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> but at the same time, you have this icy veneer and... That emotion is deep. One of the things I learned when uh, we performed the album Station to Station was that, A, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. It's so hard. Not just because it was quite musically complex in the way that Bowie music is, though it doesn't seem so on the surface. The other thing was it was emotionally complex. And singing a song like Word on a Wing when Mm. you're halfway through it's almost like being trapped in a maze. Like, you have to finish this song, and it's hard. You have to embody the emotion he perhaps was embodying at the time to see the song out, or it's not going to be convincing. Yeah. And I think at an early age, I heard that emotion in his voice. And he's a, he's a man, he was a man who, as you know, had different guises. Yeah. I think Station to Station, in many ways, is the clearest path to... David Bowie's soul. I still think so. He had a character. He had the thin white duke. Yeah. But you listen to the raw emotion and the lyrics of that album. You can't. You can't really say he's acting. It just. It's too good. I'm Jill Hopkins. You're listening to Vocalo. Joining me in the studio from the Revolting Cox Ministry and Sons of the Silent Age. It's Chris Connolly. When you started embarking on your own songwriting journey, when you started creating uh, your own art, how did David Bowie's influence make its way in? Mm, boy, I think uh, speaking for many people of my generation, it couldn't be avoided. One of the things that Bowie did, which was a great public service, was and, and he openly admits that, his influences, he would take all these things he loved from art, literature, other musics, and just channel them and make his own. So it kind of came in an easy package for us to pick apart and try and figure out. Mm-hmm. 
And I think in a very tacit way, we do the same thing. So when I talk about the frosty veneer of station to station, I would never write a song say, I want it to sound like station to station, you know. Yeah. It just becomes part of your DNA because those records were so profound and so different. On a less cerebral level, one of the things I did when I bought a guitar was I bought a David Bowie songbook because I knew the yeah. songs and I knew in the songbook you have these little dots which shows you where to put your fingers. I don't know. If, <laughs> Very if, if helpful. You, yeah. And so there are songs like Hang On To Yourself and Ziggy Stardust, which are, you know, and I, I saw where you put your fingers. Like, Oh, I can play that. You yeah. Know? And, you know, this just works its way into your uh, into your writing methods, really. Did you have uh, any idea uh, when you were young or when you were in the, the midst of, of, of ministry and revolting cocks at, the, at the, the most powerful that this David Bowie band would exist? Was this always something in the back of your mind? No, it wasn't. But I've always, you know, I've always sang his songs, mm-hmm. but usually it was just maybe at a rehearsal or just sure. with friends. You know, it was nothing. It was casual. It never occurred to me to start a band that played his music. And the reason that it started was it occurred to me one day after I'd been working with Matt Walker, who is who I who is in the band with me, that Bowie had retired um, from live music and recording. There was no that 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 album uh, the next day had not come out yet. There was yeah. a silence for about ten years. We missed him, yeah. and uh, you know, we missed his energy. And I just asked Matt. I said, "What do you think? Let's let's play some of his songs live because there's tons of people who never got to see him yeah. live. Let's try and create that experience." And I missed his live music as well, and I wanted to do it, and that's exactly why we did it. And then, as as luck would have it, right before our first gig, he dropped. Uh, where are we now? The single. Yes. So he came back. It was really funny, but he heard you. Know, you. Yeah, maybe he did. <laughs> it's like I'm not letting them grab my coattails. <laughs> I'm Jill Hopkins. Chris Connolly joins me in the studio. We're discussing his work as lead singer of Sons of the Silent Age, a tribute to David Bowie. The Daily Plaza show was the first time that I, I got to see you, and maybe that might be true for a lot of folks. When the uh, the David Bowie is exhibit yes. opened at the MCA. Gosh, what was that five years ago now? Almost 2013, I believe, maybe? Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a lunchtime concert. It sounded like a million dollars. And there were just smiles on every single person's face. Uh-huh. Uh, it was one of my, it's one of my favorite Chicago memories. So I can only imagine that from the stage, it must have, have felt really special as it was happening. Was it really special oh, as it, it was happening? It really was. It was just wonderful. Um, and... The way we approach his music, and it always has been, is we started the band because we love his music and we missed it live, like mm-hmm. I said. And we approach everything with such love and so much reverence. Um, we're not going to do it if it isn't right. Yeah. We wouldn't bother with it if, it if it isn't right, you know, if something's not working. So, yes, the Daily Plaza show, we worked... <clears throat> really hard to do that um, and put it together. And um, 
it was just magic. It was just a really wonderful experience for all of us. And it was outside, like yeah. you said. I mean, <laughs> it, it's not our usual um, sphere. It's not our uh, comfort zone, if you like. But there was. it was just a beautiful day, and the sun was reflecting off the buildings yeah. downtown. It was really amazing. Uh, the next time I got to see you was was a it was just as a wonderful magical experience but the the sentiment in the room uh, was decidedly less joyous let's say it was the metro performance it was very shortly after David Bowie had passed away and none of us you know knew that that David was was hurting that he was on his way out it, it seemed like such a surprise to everyone when it happened. Uh, we were speaking just a bit off mic earlier that you were rehearsing when when you found out that he had passed away. Rehearsing for that show. Well, yes, we were actually we were, we were rehearsing for we played a private show for a birthday party um, for a friend of ours uh, the week after he died. Mm-hmm. So the Sunday we were rehearsing and we were playing basically, uh, you know, Ziggy Stardust, some some of these hits, and that. At about one in the morning, on the Monday morning, mm-hmm. I found out that he had died, and it just, you know, it really shook me. And we actually had the option to not play the party the next week, but we did. Yeah. And it was good. It was quite um, quite a good purgative uh, thing to do after a traumatic week. But then we were in deep rehearsals to play the album Station to Station. Mm-hmm. Um in March after he died and you know it cast a very long shadow over everything but it made us work harder and it made everything take on a new meaning which was good yeah and you know like we were talking about before the interview we got something out of it you know and we gave a performance that I think was unmatched yeah because of his passing um so it was hard to do, but at the same time, we had to do it. Yeah. So when we brought our little piece to the Metro and did Station to Station, I think it maybe showed everyone in stark relief what had gone, mm-hmm. but what still remained of his uh, amazing contributions to culture. This is Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. I'm speaking with Chris Connolly of Sons of the Silent Age. I am uh, curious as to uh, what else you you have planned Bowie style for 2019. We have the birthday, but uh, Bowie lives in our hearts all year round. Yeah. um, Well, you know, we're uh, constantly reinventing our approach to um, live shows. When we do a thing like this, we have to or I have to remember that David Jones was playing David Bowie, mm-hmm. was playing Ziggy Stardust or the Thin White Duke. There are layers and layers and layers of characters that you've got to study, not work through, study yeah. and see. And you've got to second guess every single thing. I don't know David Jones. What was he thinking? And my interpretation of that is what you're getting. Yeah. One of the greatest things about David Bowie was his mystique. We'll never really know the truth. Yeah. So for our live shows, we try and pick things that are incredibly challenging for us, that may be challenging for an audience, but ultimately completely rewarding. Uh, the next thing we're going to do is um, the album Scary Monsters. Um, 
we've also in the past we did low, mm-hmm. uh, which was a a really really intense record to play. Yeah, and uh, one of these great examples of a piece of music which may seem easy, but when you start digging deep into it... Speaking of layers, there's just so much on top of so much on top of so much. There is, and we learned the hard way. (laughs) Um, You know, lugging glockenspiels on stage and stuff like that. (laughs) We get so much out of it because, you know, we're all musicians and we're all very curious, and uh, it's a wonderful challenge to sit down and listen to these bizarre time signatures and this seemingly random way of composition that he employed. Yeah. He was not a straightforward songwriter at all. There's always some twist that will mess you up and you have to go back and listen over and over (laughs) again. But we love that, you know, and we love trying to match that and uh, recreate it. I appreciate you uh, bringing this music to folks who... Uh, love him as much as you do. I appreciate uh, just in your entire career, if, if we're being honest. Thank so you. thank you so much for taking time oh, out of your day. I so know welcome. how busy you are, and I can't <laughs> wait to see the show. Thank you so much for having me.